Hey, everybody, you're listening to A New Beginning, which is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners. If this program has impacted you, I'd love to hear from you. So just send an email to me at greg at harvest.org. Again, it's greg at harvest.org. You can learn more about becoming a Harvest Partner by going to harvest.org. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie addresses the great mystery of what lies beyond the grave. It's a look at the afterlife and who we'll get to see again. When a loved one dies, we grieve. Now, imagine this, dear grieving friends. Suddenly, in a moment that happens so quickly, boom, you're with them. You're reunited with them. There they are. The great reunion. Your sorrow vanishes and it's replaced with ecstatic joy. This is the day when the lost are found. life expectancy in the United States is about 78 years. What's life expectancy in heaven? Forever. Not sure what the fraction is of our life here compared to our life there, but it's clear we spend the larger amount of time thinking about the lesser part of our life. Today on A New Beginning, as Pastor Greg continues his series on Bible prophecy in Revelation, we'll consider what life is like on the other side and how the rapture may take us there. story is told of Billy Graham going to a city to hold one of his great crusades. And Billy wrote a letter to his wife, Ruth, to tell her how things are going. By the way, kids, letters, that's what we used to write a long time ago. We wrote them out. Uh, we licked the envelopes. We put a stamp on it and went to a place called the post office and mailed them. Now people call that snail mail. Funny thing, now even email seems slow. We'd rather text. But anyway, Billy wanted to send this letter home to Ruth in North Carolina, but he didn't know where the post office was in this particular town. He saw a young man standing on a street corner, and he called out to him, young man, where's the post office? And so the young boy told Billy Graham where the post office was. And then Billy said to that young guy, hey, you want to come to the stadium tonight and hear me preach. I'm going to tell people how to get to heaven. The little guy said, how would you know how to get to heaven? You don't even know how to get to the post office. (laughs) Well, sooner or later, if you're a Christian, you're going to enter the afterlife. And if you put your faith in Christ, you're going to go to heaven. What a great hope that is. The Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You'll close your eyes on earth and you'll open them in heaven. So we have basic two modes of transportation to get us to the afterlife if we're a believer. It's either gonna be death or the rapture. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about the rapture in this message. I'm gonna tell you what it is, why there is a rapture, when it would potentially happen, and a little bit more. Let's read Revelation chapter four, verses one to two. Remember, John's on the island of Patmos. He's been catapulted into the future in kind of a spiritual time machine. I don't think it was a DeLorean. And he's seen things that are to come. And he writes about it now in Revelation 4 when he says, 
after these things, you might underline that phrase. After these things, John says, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you things that will take place after this. You might underline those words, after this. And John says, immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. So he begins by saying, after these things. In the Greek it's metatalta. The book of Revelation, as I pointed out to you before, comes complete with its own outline. And there is a golden key to unlocking the book. There is an encryption key or a password, if you will, that makes Revelation understandable. It's found in Revelation 1.19. It says, write the things that you have seen, the things which are, and the things that will take place after this. So Revelation is broken into three sections. Number one, the things that you've seen. This is what John writes about in Revelation chapter one. He sees the glorified Christ with all power on heaven and earth in control of all that is about to happen. Number two, the things which are. This is a reference to the seven churches uh, spoken of in Revelation chapters two to three. As I described it, it's the seven love letters of Jesus to his church. And finally, category three, and that's where we're at now, those things that will take place after these things. So we basically have the Lord's person, his people, and his program. It's all laid out. Again, to review, chapter one is a revelation of the glorified Christ. Chapters two to three is a flyover of church history. Chapters four and five were taken up into heaven in the rapture. Chapters six to 19, we have the great tribulation period that will last for seven years. Chapter 20, we have the millennium. Chapters 21 to 22, we have the new heavens and the new earth. So let's talk about the next event on the prophetic calendar. I already mentioned it. It's called the rapture. Look at what John writes in verse one. The first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I'll show you things that must take place after this. After this, after what? After the things of the church on earth. So now the church or all believers in Jesus are caught up to meet the Lord. First Thessalonians 4 says the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remaining shall be caught up together with them in the air. So if you're taking notes, here's point number one. It's really a question. What is the rapture? Listen very carefully. The rapture is a future event when Christ will descend from heaven and resurrect the bodies of believers who have died. Their spirits have gone to heaven, but their bodies are still here on the earth in the grave. At the same time, we who are alive, if, if it happens in our lifetime, we will be caught up together with them. With who? With those others who are having their resurrection bodies given to them. We'll be caught up together with them in heaven. It'll be a great reunion. The word rapture comes from the Greek word harpazo. This word harpazo is used 13 times in the New Testament. It means to take forcibly, to snatch, or to catch up. Some will say, you don't find the word rapture in the Bible. 
Well, it depends. If you have a Latin Bible, you have it. Because the Latin translation of harpazo is rapturus, where we get our English word rapture. It doesn't matter what you call it. The rapture, the harpazo, the great escape, whatever you prefer. But it means to take forcibly, to snatch, or to catch up. That's what the rapture is. So why is there a rapture? Point number two. Paul was writing to the believers there in Thessalonica. And they had loved ones who had died. And they were wondering if they would ever see those people again. So he wrote these words inspired by the Holy Spirit to calm their hysteria and to bring them perspective. He's saying you are going to see them again. Going back to 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13 Paul says I don't want you to be uninformed brothers about those who have died so that you will not grieve as those who have no hope. When a Christian loses a loved one. When a loved one dies, we grieve. And I bring this up because sometimes well-meaning Christians will say to someone who's lost a loved one, well, don't cry, they're in heaven. Excuse me, I will cry. I must cry. My sorrow is an indication of my love. So Paul's not saying don't grieve. He's saying don't grieve as those who have no hope. He's saying don't grieve hopelessly, grieve hopefully. Yes, you can miss them. Yes, you can be sad. But remind yourself of this fact. You will see them again. And so that's what he's saying uh, to the believers there and really in effect to all of us today. And you know, when you've lost a loved one, especially if they were taken from you quickly or unexpectedly, it's devastating. Uh, You had conversations that weren't finished, things that weren't said uh, things you wanted to do with them, adventures you wanted to have, and you you find yourself thinking about them often, or or they enter your dreams, and and you're saying things to them that you want to say. They're never far from your thoughts. So, imagine this, dear grieving friends. You could be going about your business, doing whatever it is you're doing, maybe even thinking about your departed loved one when suddenly, in a moment that happens so quickly, it can't be measured in time. Boom! You're with them. You're reunited with them. There they are. And even better, you're there in the presence of Jesus Himself. Mothers and fathers reunited with sons and daughters. Husbands reunited with wives. Wives reunited with husbands. Children reunited with parents. And parents with children. Siblings reunited with siblings. And of course, friends with friends. The great reunion. Your sorrow vanishes. And it's replaced with ecstatic joy. And again, you're not only with your loved one. You're with the Lord as well. So go ahead and think about these things. And dream about these things. And look forward to the afterlife. C.S. Lewis wrote these words and I quote, a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not a form of escapism or wishful thinking. It's one of the things that Christian is meant to do. Paul writes in Colossians that we should set our affection on things above. Uh, Another translation says, Think heavenly thoughts or simply think heaven. So it's a good thing to contemplate the afterlife. It's an important thing for all of us to do. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this series that we're doing on the book of Revelation. And I'm very excited to tell you about a brand new book 
that we have just released simply called Revelation, a book of promises. I'm going to tell you how to get your own copy at the end of the program. But if you can't wait, just go to harvest.org to find out more about getting your copy of this brand new book, this commentary on the book of Revelation called Revelation, a book of promises. And now back to our study. Coming back to this event that we refer to as the rapture. Is it spoken of elsewhere in scripture? Answer, yes. Uh, Jesus spoke of it in John chapter 14. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus also mentioned this event in what we sometimes call the Olivet Discourse found in Matthew 24. He says there in verse 42, men will be in a field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be at a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. So be watching, you don't know what day your Lord will come. So some are in a field, some are working, some are sleeping, so it's a global event that will happen in a moment that you can't even really measure in time. The Apostle Paul again refers to it in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. And by the way, uh, when this phrase, we shall not all sleep, is used, it's speaking of the death of a believer. Isn't that interesting? It's never used to describe the death of a non-believer, only a believer. I don't know about you, but as I get older, I kind of enjoy sleeping. Or at least I like naps, right? And in the same way, you don't have to dread a nap. You don't have to be afraid of sleep. And you don't have to be afraid even of death. But Paul goes on to say, we shall not all sleep or die, but will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Now, some would say, well, you know, that there's no... Uh, example of people being raptured in the Bible. Actually, I, I would beg to differ. Uh, we find it in the Old Testament. Let's start with Enoch. Remember him? The Bible says, Enoch walked with God and was not. He was close to God. He had a relationship with the Lord. And I guess one day Enoch and God were taking their daily walk and the Lord said, hey buddy, we're closer to my place than yours. Why don't you come home with me? But he walked with God and he was caught up to be with the Lord in heaven. A little commentary on that in Hebrews 11.5. It says, Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. Suddenly he disappeared because God took him. And before he was taken up, he was approved as being pleasing to God. So he was in a solo rapture, if you will. Also think of Elijah. He did not really die. But he was taken suddenly into heaven. Second Kings chapter two tells us that Elijah and Elisha were walking together and talking when suddenly a chariot of fire appeared drawn by horses of fire. It drove between them, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. So those are two Old Testament believers who did not die but were effectively caught up to heaven. Coming to the New Testament, Philip was raptured in a way, but I might say it was like a sideways rapture. <laughs> Let me explain 
uh, he was sharing the gospel with a man visiting from Ethiopia. And we read in Acts chapter 8 verse 39, after he baptized this man, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. And by the word, that's that root word, harpazo, again. And the eunuch never saw him again. And he went on his way rejoicing. And basically, he's uh, placed 30 miles away. Now, I would like to move around that way, just kind of get moved from this place to that place without having to drive or walk. That's what happened to Philip. In effect, Jesus Christ himself was raptured, if you will, because he was taken into heaven. Remember, he had given the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then we read that word harpazo when it says he was taken up, harpazo, into the sky. And they were watching as he disappeared into a cloud. So my point is simply this. There's precedent for it. And it's going to happen for a generation of believers. Now, here's the big question. The one that's asked more than any other when is the rapture? And I'm going to give you the answer. So get ready for it. Get out your pen. Get ready to write it down. When is the rapture? Answer. Anytime. It could happen today. It could happen tonight. It could happen tomorrow. We don't know. The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man will return. And if you were to go back to the original language that would be translated out to no man knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man returns. And what that means is no man knows the day of the hour. So when someone comes along and says, I've cracked the code. I know the date. Don't listen to them. They're wrong. No one knows the day or the hour. It can happen at any time, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. It's been said that the twinkling of an eye is one thousandth of a second. So what's going to happen first? Well, when the rapture happens, the dead will rise first. You might be asking, Greg, are you saying people are going to burst out of their graves and be given new bodies? Actually, that's exactly what I'm saying because that's what the Bible says. The Bible teaches that there is a bodily resurrection. Uh, so this is something we can look forward to. In fact, there's even a prototype for this event found in the Gospel of Matthew. After Jesus died on the cross, a lot of amazing phenomena took place. Uh, we read in Matthew 27, 51, uh, after Christ died, at that moment the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, listen, and the tombs opened and bodies of many godly men and women who died were raised from the dead after Jesus' resurrection. They left the cemetery and walked into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. This is only in one gospel. It's amazing. So you're walking through Jerusalem and, and hey, that's, I just saw Uncle Harry walk by me. I, I thought we buried him three days ago. He's alive again. The people are going to come out of their graves and be alive again. So let, let's look at the chronology of these things and try to understand it because sometimes people confuse the rapture and the second coming. The rapture is what we might call a stealth event. Jesus coming like a thief in the night. If a guy's going to come rip you off uh, in the night, he doesn't call you and say, I'll be 
actually robbing you, breaking into your home at 3.04 a.m. So you might want to, no, they don't tell you that. They, they come like a thief in the night. When he comes, it'll be sort of a quiet event. We're just caught up to meet the Lord. In contrast, the second coming is a big global event and everyone's aware of it. Jesus says, as the lightning shines from the east to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. The rapture is when he comes in the air and the second coming he returns to the earth. In the rapture he comes for his bride, for his church, and the second coming he returns with his church. In the rapture he comes before judgment and the second coming he returns with judgment. Pastor Greg Laurie with valuable clarification today from his message simply called Afterlife. And he'll have a final comment before today's edition of A New Beginning concludes, so stay with us. Especially in our current series in Revelation, it helps to hear the entirety of each study. They're building blocks that complete the whole picture of John's description of the end times. And if you missed any of today's presentation, you can get a replay by going to harvest.org. Just look for the title, Afterlife. Well, Pastor Greg, we're excited to make available your new book on Revelation in conjunction with our current study series. Mm -hmm. Now, many Bible students know Revelation promises a blessing to those who read, hear, and keep the words of this book. That's right. So it, it seems even the Bible acknowledges that Revelation is no ordinary Bible study. That's right. It stands out from every other book of the Bible. Of course, it's the final book uh, at the end of your Bible. And the word revelation means unveiling, because it's not God's desire to conceal, but to reveal. And Bible prophecy is not given to scare us, but to prepare us. And there is a special blessing attached to this book in particular. And it's in the first chapter of Revelation. And that promise is, blessed is the person that reads, hears, and keeps the words of this book. So, David, it's interesting because that phrase read means to read out loud. So hmm. there's a blessing on you if you will simply read this book, but then it says you must hear it. You know, Jesus would often say, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Our, our modern vernacular would be, listen up, pay attention. So I have to read it, I have to hear it, and then finally I need to keep it, meaning I need to take these truths in this book and apply them in their own life. When we study Bible prophecy, it's not just to know more about the future, but it's for us to know how we should live in the present. And we are not only teaching on it here on A New Beginning, but we have a brand new book that we have just completed. It's a thick, hardcover book, a commentary, if you will, on the book of Revelation. Here's what I've had a lot of people say to me. For the first time, I understood how this book applied to me. I think this is a very understandable book, a very relevant book, especially mm. for the times in which we are living. So for your gift of any size, we're offering you this brand new book, hot off the presses, simply titled Revelation, subtitled A Book of Promises. So whatever you can send to help our ministry is greatly appreciated. This helps us to get the gospel out, get the teaching of the Word of God out. So order your copy of this brand new book, 
Revelation, a book of promises. Yeah, that's right. And we'll rush a copy back to you to thank you for your investment in these daily teaching opportunities. It's only through listener support that we can continue to come your way. So get in touch today for Pastor Greg's new book, Revelation, a book of promises. And by the way, we're including a custom bookmark along with the book. It shows the timeline of God's end times events graphically. It helps you see the order of events very clearly. It comes automatically with the book. So send your donation today to A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or call us at 1-800-821-3300. We can take your call anytime, 24 hours a day, at 1-800-821-3300. Or go online to harvest.org. You know, sometimes we can't always make it to church, but here's the good news. Church is coming to you. It's coming to you on your TV screen or on your tablet or your computer or even your phone. We do it every weekend and it's called Harvest at Home. We have worship. We have a message from the Word of God. If you want to find out more, just go to harvest.org and join us this weekend for Harvest at Home. Well, next time, more insights on the life beyond, as Pastor Gray continues his message called Afterlife. But before we go for today, he closes with a final comment. I mentioned Enoch, and the Bible says, Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Now, what does it mean to walk with God? It's a word that means to be in harmony with God, to be in sync with God. And uh, the idea is not us dragging God our direction. It's us walking in His direction. Uh, Sometimes when my grandchildren were smaller, they'd take me by the hand. Papa, come here. And I've got their little hand and I'm trying to keep up with them and they want to show me something. That's us with God. Here's what I want to do, Lord. Come on. The Lord say, no, why don't you keep pace with me? Why don't you stay in sync with me? Well, how do you do that? You read His Word and then you discover the the mind of God, the will of God. And as you do that, you'll want to stay close to Him. And by the way, when you're close to God and you know His will, it'll change your prayer life. You start learning to think biblically. And then you start praying biblically. And as you get in sync with God, you're praying prayers that are in alignment with His will. I mean, what is prayer? Is it pulling God my way, or is it pulling me his way? If you're on a boat and you want to get to the dock and you throw your rope out and you're pulling yourself, is the dock coming to you or are you going to the dock? That's prayer. We're coming to God. We're aligning ourselves with God. We're abiding in Jesus and we're walking with God. And then one day, who knows? In our lifetime, maybe later, only the Lord knows. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be caught up to meet the Lord. Or death will come knocking, but we don't have to be afraid of it because we live with hope, not with hopelessness. The preceding podcast was made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Learn how to become a Harvest Partner, sign up for daily devotions, and find resources to help you grow in your faith at harvest.org.